Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And, and this, this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Um, you guys, we have an unprecedented episode coming at you today. We have done research. I, we are both looking at Google Docs full of cross contamination. No, what are, I don't cross cross-referencing. We've got photos, we've got dates, we've got master timelines, we've got quotes. I mean, yeah. So as usual, we read the book, but this time we really organized exactly what we wanted to talk about because as you know, last week we talked about the first chunk of Lynn Spears's stupid ass book. And this week we are talking about the last quarter, which is where the meat lies. Her book is really like um, like a lobster in that the chunk of it is really in one chunk, but it's still like a big thing. <laughs> That's so true. Or you know what else? It's like it's like a crab. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a lot of work to get to one little morsel, but that morsel, you dip it in butter. Mm. Oh, tasty stuff. Except for on this. And this one, it's actually sour stuff. We have just a couple of housekeeping things up top. We're not even going to bore you with the details of our life. Of course, if you do want to hear the details of our life, um, subscribe to our Patreon. I recently went off the wall talking and naming names, so please check it out. Um, We will also be getting into the nitty-gritty of opinions that we couldn't fit into the episodes going forward. So as always, if you want to hear our truly unhinged takes. And we did a book giveaway February 1st. So if you want to be in on the next one, you got to be a Patreon subscriber. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, so my housekeeping number one is... Thank the good reviewers. Okay, Sam, a bunch of numbers. I fucking adore you. Nora, Enneagram 4. I love you. And we love we have some good Enneagram 4s in our lives. I think your mom's an Enneagram My 4. My mom, Sophia, Adrian. Yes. Um, Delaney, 7. And that the other ones this week are mean. <laughs> okay, and look, I get... This is even for the haters, because I know some people just absolutely hate us and want to hurt our feelings and bring down our scores. But we got a review today or this week about how our audio is bad. And I just want to say like in a, in a genuinely earnest plea, like we are doing the best we can with the resources that we have available. We both have full-time jobs. This podcast like weirdly takes hours. We're buying books. We're actually using the Patreon money. This month's bout of Patreon money will go towards getting better equipment. But we're doing the best we can to edit. And that was something that could have been a DM. And like you didn't have to bring down our overall rating. If you want us to have better equipment, feel free to join our Patreon. Or just Venmo us. Venmo us. Feel free to at all of the major podcasting stations so that we could get a producer who would like edit for us. That is literally as soon as we have like a very like good and steady income on Patreon. We do want to actually hire an editor who can just handle the episodes every week and make sure our audio is better because we, that's not what we do. That's not our expertise. Our area of expertise is for you reading for me, yammering. Yeah. (laughs) The second thing is I want to give a thank you and shout out to Jacob Frazier, AKA watercolor whore. I just picked up a watercolor, Not a whore of a watercolor, but a watercolor that he painted for me as a gift for an anniversary that I bought from him. It's so fun. I love it. Um, If anybody's looking for like a fun personalized gift. After you've gifted it, post a picture on Instagram because it is so beautiful, but I don't want it to be, I don't want the surprise to be spoiled. Yeah. So shout out to him. I also got a gift from our good friend, Adrian Perels, who does all of our graphic design. She's an incredible artist and painter. I got an a painting by her. So I will put up photos of both, tag both artists. Anyway, um, do you have any other any other things of the week? Nope, that's it for me. Okay, I also don't have any other things of the week. So how about we just uh, swim right in? All right, you guys, when we left off, 
I believe it was 2007, the beginning of, in Lynn Spears's book, mostly she was talking about her parents and her daughter, or not her daughter, but her sister. Yeah, Sandra died in January of 2007, and boy, oh boy, did Lynn have a hard time with that. <laughs> okay, so I would like to open this chapter of our lives with this quote from page 47 of Lynn's book, a little bit of a foreshadowing, if you will, in Lynn's book, Through the Storm. I had no idea on the first day of filming Zoe 101 that God would use Jackie in a mighty way in my life. God is very strategic. Only he knew how much I would need and depend on the strength and companionship of this dear friend years later when it was time to fight for my older daughter's life and outsmart the foes put in place by Satan himself. By George, is she giving Sam Lufty a lot of credit? Do you remember reading that line? Because I had that line underlined like twice. I was like, Satan himself. Literally, who is Satan? I didn't know Satan was fame. I didn't know Satan was paparazzi. I didn't know Satan was drug addiction. It turns out Satan was literally Sam Lufty. I know. And that was my comment is I actually did know that that is who she was referring to. How did you know that? Because the foes, the foes is like a guy. I knew that that's how she was talking. She's not, she's not going to make the foes be like a concept. Even this sentence, I read it out loud this morning and I was like, this is not well written. There's too many like two or three things, you know, how much I would need and depend on the strength and companionship of that dear friend years later. So Jackie, just for everybody wondering, cause I do think she plays a very important role in the story we're about to tell is the mother of one of the co-stars of Zoe 101. So because she had a son that she was also trying to like whore into the media, she got to be privy to some pretty top ranked knowledge and celeb gossip. Yeah, she was um, in the driver's seat, quite literally. Quite literally for this story that we're about to tell. Before we tell it, something that was interesting that I had not realized at the time of this is one of the things that was compounding the Spears family drama of Britney's breakdown 2007 to 2008 was that that's also when Jamie Lynn was pregnant. Yeah, I guess for some reason, even though both things were major headlines on a near constant basis, I didn't realize that they were happening at the exact same time. Me neither. I didn't put that together myself. And I do think that it is why it was so much drama. I think for the most part, Jamie Lynn Spears is a C-list celebrity. I don't think her teen pregnancy wouldn't have been, would have been as big a deal if her older sister wasn't the most famous person in the world having a, a year and a half long breakdown. I guess it wouldn't have been worldwide news. It would have been like our generation major news. I don't like, think it would have been a headline. I think it would have been an Us Weekly cover, but I don't think she would have been hounded by paparazzi because the whole pregnancy. Think about it. If I, Carly, had gotten pregnant, do you think that would have been every magazine in I think stores? The, yeah, I agree that the breaking of that news would have been like a sensation, but I, I think it would have been like, okay, this out. happened. Let's At wait it out. Point, then when the yeah. baby was born, then it would have been like a shit storm again. And then it would have died out. Like it would have just been yeah. two peaks. Not. Yeah. I mean, at one point they hide in Connecticut and it's like, I think for anybody else hiding in Louisiana would have been a good enough hide, but because in Louisiana they were already ready to shoot Brittany. So let's get into, we want to break it down. Um, thematically first, we're going to talk about the Jamie Lynn spigots. Is spigots a good word here? I don't even know what you mean by that. I just meant like the little bouts of talking about Jamie Lynn. Oh, droplets? Droplets, the little the little squirts of Jamie Lynn drama. So Ashley, take us away. As we mentioned last week in the first episode about Lynn Spears, um, she does make a great effort to pretend that Britney isn't her most important child. Um, but obviously it is the case. Like obviously Britney is the thing we want to hear about, what we want to talk about, but she does include like paragraphs about Jamie Lynn Spears' pregnancy and they are all, except one line, negative. In sort of the, the lead up 
to Jamie Lynn breaking this news to her privately, um, she mentions that despite her and Casey Aldred spending a lot of time together, she says, I talked to my daughter once again about matters of sexuality, abstinence, and responsibility to God. Um, and then she also mentions that she had a little sit down with Casey and he promised to me that he would never quote hurt her like that. So all of the conversation about their relationship. So Lynn mentions they'd been spending a lot more time together, but there were rules in place and she had told Jamie Lynn that um, birth control is abstinence and Casey Aldridge had promised to not hurt her. Like there is really no conversation that anyone really understands where babies come from, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. So Jamie Lynn breaks the news to her by handing her a note and saying, go read this note in your room. Yeah. Um, so she reads the note. She comes out and she talks about the look on both of their faces. She says, it's grim. It's horrible. It was just a horrible day. She, she says, I grieved my daughter's innocence, which I will say something I remember from this book that kind of made me laugh. And I was like, God, she's such a bad writer and such like a a small town mom is she talks about why Casey Aldridge was such a good boyfriend. And it was because he was so respectful. He was so polite. He was always helping her bringing groceries from the car. And she was like, he would never put his boots on the coffee table. And then when she comes out from the bedroom, having read the note about the pregnancy, she was like, there he was with his boots on the coffee table. And I was like, he desoiled your, uh, he deflowered your daughter and soiled your furniture all in one fail swoop. Like what a, I love that. Like fucking once, dirty, dirty. <laughs> once the hymen was ripped, the, the glove, were off and the but real not case the was boots. Out. The boots stayed on. <laughs> yeah, the diamond was out and the boots were on. Anyway, it is so interesting this conversation about innocence and whatever because she has been whoring her children out to fame since Brittany was eight. Jamie Lynn was. I mean, a literal newborn baby living in New York City so that Britney could achieve her dreams. It's just like the idea of this protection and innocence. Is yeah, she was so living in goofy. Hollywood for like four months a year, shooting a TV show, working like an adult. Something else that, that literally made me laugh because she was talking about how good Jamie was and she, she was so protective. And there was all these rules in place. Like they were only allowed to hang out at the house with the doors open. They could only see each other's on weekends. And she was like, sure, he slept over in LA, but they had their own rooms, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, this is when Jamie Lynn is 16. When Brittany was 16, she sent her to goddamn Sweden for six months to cut a pop album with a dental hygienist she had heard good things about. Yeah. Like when Brittany got her first record deal, they uh, that's where she met Felicia. Felicia. It was just a friend's dental hygienist. She was like, well, she seems like good people. And they were like, well, that's the only guardian a 16-year-old girl needs in a foreign country when she's like working with one of the most notoriously rapey industries in the world. Yeah, I just think that her whole obsession with like this being the shattering of Jamie Lynn's innocence is fucking goofy. Yeah, when you put a dollar sign on and uh, on your daughter, that's when the innocence was lost. And I do think the way that her team responded to the pregnancy announcement really shows that she was no longer some poor little innocent girl with a life left to live. She was she was money in the bank for a bunch mm -hmm. of grown ass men. So bring us bring us home, Ashley. What yeah, is the so horrifying thing we heard next? Um, well, I mean, there was a couple, the way she talks about it, the way she talks about sharing the information with the rest of the family, she talks about how they called Brian, who's so protective of his little sisters, um, I guess. And, you know, Brian was devastated. She had to call Jamie, the dad. He was devastated. She talks about how the hell are they going to tell Brittany? They said, and how would we tell her this earth shattering news? Um, yeah, Brittany doesn't care. Also, I'm sorry. And I don't want to be it's like at this point, Brittany had been like in a intense custody battle about her own like 
I don't think that she, this is even a thing for her to worry about right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and then don't tell Brittany because she's like, she's around bad people. We don't want it to get spilled out. But something else that I think, and I don't want to be um, rude to Southerners, but they are from a backwards town in Louisiana. I do not think a teen pregnancy was going to be the thing that like shattered the earth. The, yeah, I mean, Lynn herself had these two kids at like 20. She, she dropped out of college to marry like her high school crush. Like yeah. the quarterback from town and had babies right away. They eloped so that they could like start banging immediately. Like I just do not think that this town had never heard of a, um, a one teen pregnant before. Line that sticks out in the aftermath of Jamie Lynn delivering this news before they've really dealt with it yet. She writes, Anyone who came by could see grief etched on my face. Yes, grief. And it's like, maybe it sit the fuck down Lynn okay like the whole book which is why it's so funny is about surprise babies and how they're God's plan when they get Jamie Lynn she's like an unscripted baby is better than one you wanted when Britney Spears gets pregnant back to back that second baby was unplanned and she's like no you'll see this is even better her sister has an unplanned pregnancy mm-hmm. um, when she has a daughter who's also like Jamie Lynn nobody in that family has heard of birth control and then and the whole oh, can I say yeah before you finish your rant, it actually has come to my attention that I was very wrong last week in my analysis of vasectomies. Um, it is a two-part procedure, and I'm stupid, which obviously we knew that. It what turns did you out, think? You think they just had to go to see if it took? Yeah, because I've heard of vasectomies not taking. Like, that is a thing where, like, they can do the procedure, and then it just, like, you're whatever like heals Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, like, I've heard a lot about vasectomies you not have not taking. Heard a, yeah. A lot. Okay. I have. Okay. It's a common phrase. The vasectomy didn't take. <laughs> anyway, but I will say I do not apologize for not understanding how that works because I would say 88% of men literally don't know where babies come from. Like they think women have one yeah, hole down I there. Like, like I literally don't give a shit how your dick works. I'm happy to not that like women don't know how vasectomies work in the way that I wish men didn't know about abortions. Like I keep to your own kind bitch. <laughs> anyway, so go back to what you were saying. Oh, I'm just saying that it's just funny that the whole narrative, like one of the strong messages of this book is that unplanned babies are like just literally gift from God. Like he sent Mm -hmm. them in a stork. And then when Jamie Lynn gets pregnant at 16, which sucks, but clearly they're financially stable. It seems like all like, I mean, Lynn literally ran a pre-K. Like it sucks. But even my parents, I think, would have handled it better than Lynn did. And my parents are like elitist city folk. Well, it's because Lynn's whole thing is like, how could she do this to me? Like it really is about Lynn, you know? Yeah. I wonder how much of it was truly that Jamie Lynn felt some moral responsibility to raise the child she conceived. Because it doesn't seem like her children are religious. One of Lynn's big things is that her kids didn't end up religious. I think that they just wanted their own families. Like I, I do believe. That. I think a lot of times, and you can see the way that these young girls, when they're put in the spotlight, are so controlled by management, are so controlled by what they owe to other people. And there, it is this weird thing where you are like put in charge of so many adult careers where they're like, if you ever say, no, I want to slow down, then how do I feed my family? And kind of the only way that they can gain autonomy over their own bodies and lives again is to get pregnant because nobody can make a pregnant girl do anything. Yeah. You're and. Pregnant. Nobody and even I wants think a pregnant girl. In this pressure to like support their family, to support their parents, to yeah. all that stuff, I think that the only way to like sort of move away from it is to have your own family mm-hmm. and be like, you got like I'm not your kid anymore. I'm a mother, and that comes first before the yeah. only way to have anything that comes before your parents is to have your own child. And I do think when you're 16, you're so fucking immature that you think you're mature. You have that disease where you're like, you really do, you're like, I know nobody else falls in love forever, but what we have is different because you're yeah. still young and dumb. You've got a Cassie David disease that she never grew out of, where you really think your high school sweetheart is unique and that that's gonna that's real and that's gonna last. 
And I think what holds most teenagers back from having babies is money. And so when you suddenly you do have millions of dollars, there's like, there's no deterrent to like following those idiotic beliefs you yeah. have. That and I do believe that she really felt like she was mature. I mean, she had been traveling the world yeah. for her sisters since she was literally a newborn. And, um, and yeah, she, she was, was a star on, of a TV show. Like what is, she I don't wasn't know. on the track of normal people in that, like you go to middle school, you go to high school, you go to college and then whatever like She happens. wasn't going to go to college, yeah. whatever. So, so she was on her own path and anyway. you know what? It looks like it all worked out. I'm sure it was hard, but it seems to have survived. So anyway, so a plan, she says a plan was presented by some of her team members that because she was so early long, she could simply take a pill that would render the pregnancy a non-issue. It would be a strikingly simple solution to a huge problem. Like this wording is not that of a woman of God. <laughs> it is to to keep calling it like it would render the pregnancy a non-issue to say like a simple solution to a huge, like it's not that huge of a problem. Like they can figure it out. Like you said, it's not that, I don't know. Anyway, but Jamie I mean, Lynn. I like if you wanted an abortion, great, but it is funny to have and again, I'm like deeply pro-choice. I I'm like, deeply pro-abortion. Not I'm, even pro-choice. I like think more people should be getting abortion. For sure. So, I, I like day, one I time thought that I was pregnant and my immediate reaction was like, how long would an abortion lay me up and like what plans would I have to cancel? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my God, this is like somebody the other day I said to Mac, I was like, I feel like we're at, I'm at an, we're at an age where, you know, you have a really good job. We live together. Like we'll probably get married. Like if I got pregnant, we'd probably have to keep it. And he looked at me, he was like, Okay, well, then we have to be much more careful. And I was like, oh, you are not on... Okay, no, we wouldn't keep... Okay. <laughs> so you're... <laughs> I'm 28 and rich. And I'm yeah. still like, it's too early. <laughs> so Lynn is admitting in this passage that she wanted her daughter to get an abortion, despite the fact that this entire book is about God. Yeah, I guess not all Christians are anti... That's a very Catholic. She's like deeply anti-divorce, but not anti-abortion. Yeah, <laughs> I do believe that. <laughs> I mean, like, well, look, at she's anti-divorce and yet she filed for divorce. So yeah. I, her beliefs and her actions are not the same. Lynn continues to mope about Jamie Lynn's pregnancy. She writes, a door had been slammed shut and behind it was most of her childhood. This bitch never got a childhood. She was a literal child star. Like Ashley, I'm literally going to kill you. You keep skipping the most important part. What was it? That several family members plus professionals on Jamie Lynn's management team had come to the decision that the best thing for oh, her yeah. would be to send her to a Christian-based residential facility in Tennessee. Oh, I did forget about that. This to me... I mean, I'm pro-abortion, as I said. What I am not pro and what I think is the most damning fucked up thing that comes out of this book is that when Jamie Lynn got pregnant, so clearly when she said, no, I'm keeping the baby, her they were management... were like, how can we cover it up? Her management and her father came up with this idea that they were going to send her to some like wayward girls Christian school where she would basically... I mean, I haven't heard of this since like the 60s. She would get pregnant, have the baby confidentially. Nobody would be able to see her... I don't know. They must have, they would probably try to pull a Sarah Palin or some shit where like, yeah, uh, they said it was like Lynn's baby or something. Yeah, Or maybe they would say it was like a cousin's baby or maybe they would just like quietly be like, Jamie Lynn's nannying on the side now. Zoe <laughs> <For laughs> 101 got canceled and she has to pay bills. <laughs> um, yeah. She really like, she's got mortgages. Uh, what isn't explicitly said in the book, but what I am deducing is that if their go-to move was to hide her from public and not tell anybody she was pregnant, and not let her back out until she had the baby. I think it was because they wanted her to keep doing Zoe 101. And they're all, the only way they, they could keep her as an actress on a Nickelodeon show was to like keep the pregnancy a secret. Yeah. And that to me, to abandon... I mean, 
she wouldn't have been able to see any of her family. Lynn says like if she had gone, she wouldn't have anyone around her. She'd be completely alone. It would just be her and nuns until she popped this little shit out and came home to go back to work. I've never heard. I mean, it's very tough for Dubervilles. I've never heard anything like this before in my life. It's so fucked up. On the day she was supposed to go, Lynn came down and said, no, she's not going. I mean, her bags were packed. I cannot imagine being a 16 year old girl. It's scary. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how dumb and young and in love you think you are and how you and you think you think Casey Aldridge, the hottest boy in the town over might be a great dad to then be told, well, you're going to be by yourself going through this insane. Like I'd be scared to be by myself if I was 35. I'd be scared if I had already had four kids to make somebody deal with a pregnancy alone with nobody they love around to support them. I can't imagine anything crueler I and mean, to have there's a, a nothing. rich alive family and say, we won't be there for, to support you. Or hold your hand. No, it's horrible. It's really Even horrible. Even if they disagree, say, okay, we won't support you. Go live with your boyfriend. But just to say, we are isolating you from everybody you know. Um, no, straight up bonkers. Bonkers, Looney Tunes shit. Well, there's the Jamie Lynn and Maddie story. And now, concurrently... Are you ready for me to read you the timeline of events that happened? So you guys, I just mean, to give I'm you not little, ready, but I'm ready. I will say working on this today when I was pulling the quotes and putting together the timelines, I did get sad. Um, okay. So just for you guys to have a context sense of what's going on. So September, 2005, Sean Preston is born. Yeah. September, 2006, Jaden is born. Yeah. By November 7th, 2006. So less than a month. I mean, truly, this is like three weeks after the second baby is born. Brittany files for divorce. We know just from doing the Brittany podcast that it was because she had this newborn baby. She had postpartum depression. K-Fed at this time was taking jobs where he was appearing at promotions. He was going out to clubs. He was partying. And she was deeply depressed and angry that she felt he had abandoned her when she had a one-year-old and a newborn. I'm going to send Brittany and say valid. November 8th, Kevin then files for sole custody in January 2007. Now here's where it gets, it gets murky. So February 14th, 2007, Brittany had been spiraling out of control. She had been doing a lot of drugs, partying a lot, deeply depressed in response to the divorce. Uh, Lynn thinks she had postpartum depression. She was going through a lot. She enters into a rehab in Antigua for one day. The next day, she breaks out. February 16th, 2007 is the infamous day where Brittany shaves her head, attacks a paparazzi with the umbrella, um, and has what people call the the Britney Spears breakdown. And what I think this episode we're really going to show you is this wasn't the breakdown. This was like the beginning of a spiral out of control. Like we said, Kevin filed for sole custody. There was a lot of custody shit happening. There were a lot Mm -hmm. of hearings, a lot of paperwork, a lot of visitations, things like that. She had heard somewhere that like they could test drugs in your hair in her like drug addled state. She felt she needed to get rid of her hair in order to keep her babies so that they couldn't test. And I I mean, look, we're not sitting here trying to say what she did was sane and normal. She definitely was in a manic state. There was a thought process. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Also, I mean, in Lynn's own book, she says when Brittany attacked the paparazzi, she was, she lived out my own fantasy. I mean, we learned from this book that's at minimum, Brittany had 17 full-time paparazzi who were employed by magazines to follow her around all the time. And that's why Brittany is known Mm -hmm. for having a pretty weird relationship with the paparazzi. But I mean, as anyone would, if you had 17 people who followed you around all the time, you eventually would become friends with them. Like they, they had a report. I mean, at this yeah. point she's even dating one. Um, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Other ones too. Like there were 17 full time people charged with following her. But I mean, as we learned from the Paris Hilton documentary, as like, we learned yeah. from watching Britney for the record a couple years ago, like when there was the opportunity for major 
shots, they obviously sticked more people on her and they were very dangerous with her sometimes. So anyway, back to the, back to the master line, February 16th, she shaves her head, has her breakdown. Um, she goes to promises Malibu for one day. She comes back out and then she goes in for a full 30 days. They were like, you need to just like, you are blatantly acting erratic. If you want to get these kids, you got to like look sober. So basically I'm going to give you guys the timeline. According to Lynn, we'll go back in later and kind of fill it in after you hear Lynn's side. So after she comes out of promises Malibu in March, they go through about a seven month period where they're not speaking. Uh, This is obviously brutal for her. In October of 2007, Brittany lets Lynn back in. Um, And then in January, Brittany is 5150 twice. So January 2008. 2008. So, and then things start to calm down for Brittany, I'd say, after that. I'm going to give you guys uh, Lynn's account of those 12 months because, as you guys can see, if you have 5150 twice in a month, 5150, for those who don't know, it's when uh, the police are called and you're put in an involuntary psychiatric hold for 72 hours because you are either a harm to others or yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it is what happened to Mariah Carey during her breakdown. Yeah. I mean, it's a real fan favorite of controlling young women. Yes. Who are not doing what the industry wants to do. Page one of the playbook, baby. So the day before she shaved her head, Brittany had stayed less than 24 hours at an offshore drug rehab facility in Antigua. Um, They wanted to send her to promises in Malibu, but Brittany didn't want to, and she was livid at me for trying to force her to go. She ended up staying there for a month. Uh, When she came out, I could see right away that it had not provided the healing Brittany needed in her life. And all it did was slow her down a bit. But her anger at me had not cooled. In fact, she refused to speak to me. And our estrangement would last for seven months, seven excruciating months. So that's the background on Brittany. Here's where things get fucking weird. And when we talk about Satan himself, here's what I have to say. So something interesting from Lynn's memoir is that right before Brittany went to Promises Malibu and after she shaved her head, so there's like a 24-hour period there, I got an anonymous call from a man while I was driving in Los Angeles. There are drugs planted in Brittany's Malibu house. Things were so fragile with Brittany at the time that I wasn't taking any chances. At this point, in response, Lynn says what she was worried about was the custody battles. If she had been caught with drugs, she would never get to see her kids for a really long time. So Lynn takes Brittany's assistant at the time, Allie. They go to her house. They comb the house. They don't find any drugs. They think they're safe. And they couldn't imagine who... They're like... Uh, Lynn is actually a big fan of Kevin at this point. I don't know what the relationship is after 2008, but at this point, she's like, he's a really good dad. He would never do that to Brittany. She's like, Allie, the assistant, wouldn't do that. She's like, I don't know who wouldn't, who that I can name would do that to Brittany, but it does seem like there's a lot of people who shouldn't be in our inner circle that are traipsing through the house. I'll just check. They don't find anything. Um, I will say I don't believe Lynn is a good looker. I don't believe Lynn is a good looker. And I also... I believe Lynn was like, I checked the cabinets. The oregano was oregano. And I, mm-hmm. I also don't think it would be that hard to find drugs at Brittany's house. Like, I don't think somebody would have to stash drugs there. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, this like idea I'm sure there were drugs there. <laughs> like the idea that otherwise Brittany is clean, but maybe she does like, I don't know. But they didn't find drugs. So Brittany comes out of Promises, stops talking to Lynn. And then here's where it gets interesting. So a couple months after Brittany gets out of Promises, she's still not talking to Lynn. She, Lynn gets another call from the anonymous number who says that there were drugs that they just didn't find any. Then the man plunged into a... Prop- okay, so so she gets this call from the number. She picks up and she goes, you're the man who said that there were drugs in the house. And he goes, there were drugs. You just didn't find them, which feels like a perfect gaslighting situation. Like, because you can't... I don't... Like, who is this person? My question is, how did they get Lynn's number? Why would they know? Like, none of this makes any fucking sense, but I do get from Lynn's perspective that, like, it can't hurt to check. But so yeah. she gets this follow-up call that's like, I was right. And then what gets bizarre 
And then he immediately plunged into a proposal he had for me to be the spokeswoman for a company he represented that wanted to sell high quality cubic zirconia jewelry on a home shopping network. Um, bitch, what? She goes on. <laughs> I mean, think about who's saying this is. So this man, you are now the mother of one of the most famous fucked up women in America. You know that there's a ton of money in it because you've been making a ton of money off of it. You get this call from this anonymous person. You don't ask how he got his phone number. He tells you he knows about the inner workings of your daughter's home. There's no evidence to support his claims. He and now he back. wants to start a business with you as the face of it? Sight unseen. What I learned going back through this again is that I don't know that Lynn is malicious. I do think she's dumb as bricks. I agree with that. I I don't think that she is trying to harm her children, but I don't think that she has... I think she has her own best interest in mind before her children. Yeah. And I think that she's dumb as bricks. I think, I think that there are, like, bricks can hold up a house. You know what I mean? Like, Lynn is not smart enough to hold a house together. So she goes... Again, it sounded dubious at best, but the call had come at a time in my life where I'd been thinking and praying for a job. I was intrigued, and I figured I had nothing to lose but a few hours of my time if I met with this guy this I have something to say about because yeah. what you've been thinking and praying for like during the time between like tracking down your daughter who's going through like an enormous mental breakdown meanwhile your other daughter is months away from getting knocked up at 16 like maybe you should be paying more attention to literally anything than thinking and praying for a job like what the fuck are you talking about she has this weird dichotomy of being so hyper obsessed with herself and being like the paparazzi would die to get a photo of me every like everybody knows my business everybody knows my daughters I can't go I can't get on the plane without some haranguing me for an interview and then also being like I don't know what's the worst thing that could happen if this man who got my phone number from sites on sources unknown meets me and gets more of my info it's so insane anyway so she meets this guy and she goes it's uh it's Sam Lefty this is the first time she ever sees him so for people who don't know she calls him swarthy and I do believe he's swarthy swarthy um, so they meet at like a Starbucks. He comes with two lawyers. He has no pitch. She has one crumpled necklace. And then he asks to take a picture together, which uh, Lynn says, which struck me as strange at the time. And I can't remember if I consented or not. I Good call, Lynn. That was strange. I know for a fact that you consented, Lynn. So, I mean, anybody listening is like, clearly this is a scam art artist like I can't believe he even got this far and I can't believe he's this lazy of a scammer that he showed up to this pitch with no pitch like what what was his next what was his next move well it doesn't end there um so a few months later he calls Jamie Lynn and he invites Jackie the mother of this co-star uh Jamie Lynn uh Lynn and the son to go to Dancing with the Stars he's like I got I got us backstage passes <laughs> and also I've got an idea for a shoe line endorsement for one of the two kids. The mothers are like, sounds good. Let's, let's go. And then Lynn's like, well, what happened to the, the necklace line? And he goes, Oh, Brittany said something bad about you in the press. So now you're worthless as an endorsement deal. And Lynn's like, okay, but maybe we could get a line for my shoe. So they give this man another chance. You'll never get reader. You'll never guess what happens next. There is no, they ha, he has no tickets. So he doesn't get a back line. There is no shoe deal. I cannot believe that the mother and family of Britney Spears needs some like weird scam artist to get them into Dancing with the Stars. Like if you wanted to go, like Jamie Lynn is the star of a TV show. Britney Spears is Britney motherfucking Spears. Like just get your own tickets. I mean, What's happening the craziest here? part is they're going at the time Joey Fatone was on, who Britney had opened for. Like she knew him from the Mickey Mouse Club. She had opened for him. Like they were family friends. 
I just like cannot understand like where is Jamie Lynn's agent that was going to fucking throw her in a castle Rapunzel style because when she dared not make a dollar, like where was this guy getting her shoe deals? Why did they think they needed like back alley connections? It's (laughs) insane. So that falls through. So you guys are never going to guess what happens next. There's a third opportunity via Sam Lufty. He now says, I've got the name of a, of a great, a huge music executive. I'd love to set him, set him up with Jamie Lynn or Jackie's son. Jackie's son at the time wanted to become a musician. And they were like, well, honestly, this would be a really good opportunity for, for her son. Let's just see if it happens. And if it doesn't happen this time, then we're going to call him. Call him out on his bullshit. Can you... Britney like, Spears? Why is your daughter? Why did you need help getting a contact from the music industry? Like... You're, I mean, this girl's son is already the star, the star of a hit show. You know, the number one pop act in the world. Like, I'm so confused why they're still at the mall answering Craigslist ads for ins in the industry. They are in, they are the industry. I like am so fucking mind boggled. And then, do you want to know what Sam Lefty said to get out of this one day of? You know how he had to get out of the idea that it wasn't going to come to fruition. How? He calls and says, hey, the deal fell through because I broke my tooth, so we can't go through with the meeting. And apparently, Lynn is like, if this doesn't happen, I'm never talking to you again. And he was just like, no problem. You know why? Why? Because he had already gotten to Brittany at this point. Apparently, he had met Allie, the assistant, at a club. They had hit it off. She introduced him to Brittany, and now the three of them were hanging out all the time. Brittany, at this point, was at her most vulnerable. She um, cut off her mother. At this point, she's still not talking to Lynn. Lynn didn't even have Brittany's phone number. She had no way to contact her daughter. Jamie couldn't contact Brittany. And this guy, who clearly was looking for any back door, side door, front door, open window to get into the house of Brittany, he found it by Brittany. Can I say something? What I like a hypothesis mm-hmm. that I have. We've talked a couple of times about Lynn pretending that she was like a present mother, but also just like shipping Brittany to Sweden at 16 years old. I do believe that she felt she was done parenting Brittany when she sent her to Sweden. I think as soon as Brittany got famous, she like wasn't a mother to her anymore. She was like a like I'm here to help with whatever you need. I think what happened is that they were in such bad financial straits. They filed for bankruptcy the year that Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. I think once Britney had all that money, like money was such an important part of their lives. And the, like it was just not important in that like they had it, but so important that they didn't have it and it was such a controlling factor of what they went through that once Britney had money, like she surpassed them in age almost. I do yeah. feel like if they had been more stable middle class if they had been upper middle class they wouldn't have been so overwhelmed a lot taylor swift yeah do you know what i mean i think because they couldn't turn the lights on and then she was buying them houses the roles were so reversed they had like no way to control her i feel like they were so dependent on her that they but just I couldn't also say anything. feel like it wasn't that they even needed to control her or Like, I just don't feel like they were, like, emotionally there for her. Like, it really doesn't seem like her bond with her mom was ever the same after. Like, she talks about how she and Britney, like, talked every day when Britney was in Sweden. But, like, after Hit Me Baby One More Time comes out, it, like, really feels like she's just, like, there as kind of support staff. She's not a mother in terms of, like control or advice. Well, but I do like think she's- Brittany turned 18 and mm-hmm. then she had all the money in the world. And I do think like, yeah, and she had all the fame and she had all the power. I mean, I do think like she went on tour with Brittany, right? So for a year they were together. But even if you look at that, but that's what I mean is she was like support staff, but, uh, but they had been asked, she asked her to come on tour basically to be there as like a nurturing. But if you look at that tour, Brittany convinced Lynn to file for divorce. So it was, even there, it feels like 
Brittany's the emotional mentor. Yeah. I do think Lynn was just like this poor girl who like was kind of stupid. I mean, she would have fallen for any MLM like at best. At best, she could have ended up in an MLM. I mean, she at still worst, did. <laughs> she could have ended up. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot that she's literally in an MLM right now. But I mean, I do think that was like best case scenario. Worst case scenario was that she was like robbed blind by a psychic. Like she is yeah. the kind of person who accidentally gave $60,000 to a psychic and now doesn't own a home anymore. I mean, she like literally thinks she's betrothed to a Nigerian prince right now, I bet. I mean, I like rereading all this. I actually am changing my opinion of Lynn. I do think she was so stupid and naive that she couldn't have. Like, why couldn't she navigate this? Why was she saying yes to these? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's so preposterous. It really is preposterous. And it really is sad. Lynn feels suspicious of him the whole time. And she she just like can't beat him. You knew the whole time that this was like a dangerous person to have around, but you yourself met with him. Like you yourself gave him three chances. Well, I think the wall already existed. Yeah. They were already not speaking. Then he came in and took advantage of it both ways where the fact that Brittany didn't have a family that she trusted. And then also he was able to get the whole family on his side. Basically he was able to manipulate Lynn and keep her right where he wanted her by giving her little tidbits about Brittany and like being the one connector. So Brittany meets Sam, Sam drops Lynn and then Sam becomes what Lynn refers to as the general. She says within a month or so of meeting, Sam was in complete control of her life, labeling him the, her friend, her manager, her life coach. Everyone deferred to him. Brittany's business manager, her record company, her lawyers, they had no choice. It really seems to me like Brittany was like screaming for support. Like she needed someone to just like handle shit for mm-hmm. her. And like clearly Lynn was not smart or present enough to do so. Like she just needed someone to come in and be like, you don't have to do anything. I'll make sure everything goes fine. And no one else was doing that for her. I agree. And I think like what is so damning about this is like, what did the record company want from her? She's literally having breakdowns. And when we get to the master list of what's happening right now, you'll see in this time period, she puts out two albums. So she is fucking working. Like they are not deterred one bit by the fact that she shaved her head. They are not deterred one bit by the fact that she's having custody battles. She's bipolar. She's having manias and depressions. She's, in and out of rehabs, so many rehabs. And they have her put out two albums, which on most people's timeline is like, it's two still so fast for a healthy albums. person. <laughs> it's still too fast for even a healthy person. And so, and I think that's really where Sam came in and was able to have so much control because nobody said Brittany's in a bad state. Just leave her alone until she gets her shit together. She needed someone to deal with the man. Like she couldn't uh, do these business dealings by herself. And then also... The bit like the fact that the business managers were even dealing with Sam Lefty really just shows what vultures they are because the yeah. fact that you would be like they're I, like, who is this weird stranger off the street? Whatever, as long as someone's handling it and making sure Brittany shows like, up shows and, up and fulfills good. her contracts. Yeah. We don't care what he's doing to her in the in the meantime. So here's what he was doing to her in the meantime. Drugging her. Okay, so then in October of that year, she gets this call. It's Allie, the assistant. Brittany's ready to reconcile with her mother. Um, Lynn immediately flies out. They have reconciliation. There's not a lot of details about it, but it seems like things are getting better. At least she ha- she has the ability to talk to her daughter again. Okay. So January 4th, here's where it gets fucking weird. Lynn gets a call from Sam. He's crying. He says... Brit- Sam is crying? What a fucking baby. She sa- He says, Brittany has just locked herself in the bathroom. She's there with Jaden. Um, she won't give him up. We know about this instance. And He's- also some more background on this. So Brittany at this point did not have custody of her children. She had lost custody to Kevin. She only had supervised visitation. Then she lost 
all custody, like no visitation, no nothing. She started slowly getting rights back. And this was like a supervised sort of, like the, yeah, the so boys were at her house for the day and she didn't want to let them go. And according to Lynn, Lynn says later I found out that Sam had told Brittany that Kevin had called and told her that she could keep the boys longer. In Lynn's telling of these events, she's saying that Sam completely manipulated this entire situation by, I mean, Brittany is in a very fragile state. He says, you can have the boys for even longer. And then Lonnie, the boys, bodyguards who bring the boys back and forth between Kevin and Brittany, I guess, is like, no, they have to go. She grabs one, locks herself, and Sam's like, I don't know what's going to happen. They 5150 her because they can't get her out of the bathroom. So the police come in, and, and here's where it's crazy. I also want to clarify at this point that the boys were like one and two. Yeah. And she doesn't have cut. Like, she like is rarely, rarely seeing her new baby. Obviously, Lynn's freaked out. She calls Brian and Jamie, who live in L.A., who won't go over there because they don't want to have anything to do with Sam. So Brittany is having her children ripped from her hands, having a full fucking breakdown in the bathroom. While some lunatic is running her life and the dad and is afraid the of the lunatic. And the dad won't go over. Lynn says, they remind me that Brittany didn't want to see any of us, which is like, okay, are you, so don't listen to her. Be a fucking, this is what parents are. Parents yeah. are people who say, I don't care what you think. Someone has to come in here and just love you. And that is my job. And then they said, if it weren't for the fact that I had to be with Jamie at the time, I would have flown to Los Angeles the next, on the next flight. So Lynn stays in Kentwood. This is all happening. And this is where it gets crazy. She goes, I felt as if I was being split into two pieces as I was pulled on the one hand, the needs of my pregnant 16-year-old, and on the other hand, uh, my 26-year-old daughter, who was obviously in a deep crisis. Both girls seemed to need me with the exact same intensity. I honestly didn't know where I was supposed to be. I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible and say, you need to be with the one that's being actively held against her will in a mental institution. Jamie Lynn will continue to be pregnant for a few days, for a few months even. She was due in May. Yeah, you shouldn't be just like leaving your 16-year-old alone, but clearly you've done it before. That's how she ended up pregnant in the first place. Like, I think it is so crazy. You just got back from this vacation with Jamie Lynn. Brittany is literally... Like she's not going to get re-pregnant. You can leave her alone for a couple days. Yeah, if anything, she's safest, safer than she's ever been. Listen to this. So then she goes, Brittany is 5150'd. It was supposed to be 72 hours. I think this is interesting. After 24, she was released at her own request, which means that she wasn't like so psychotic that the hospital thought she had to be held. I looked it up. Right. So I looked it up on FERC.org. A person on a 5150 can be held in a psychiatric hospital against their will for up to 72 hours. This does not mean that they will necessarily be held the entire 72 hours. It means that the psychiatric hospitals have the legal right to do so if they deem it necessary. So that, so means, that means they didn't deem it necessary. Yeah, 24 hours. It means it looks like she went, she got a night's sleep, she woke up and she said, I feel better. And I bet then that she didn't super need it. So anyway... So this is Lynn's account. I stayed up late into the night following my daughter's ordeal on TV and the internet and via phone updates from Jamie and Brian. That is so Sick. weird to me. Can you imagine watching your daughter have a breakdown? I mean, my mom would be on a, in a fucking car driving a thousand miles an hour trying to... like. There's just no doubt in my mind that my mom could be watching this unfold on TV and be like... I hope it I hope it goes okay. I would like to like once again really quickly read this quote. We could have been perfect mothers and our children may still have gone off the rails at one time or another. I just don't think that this is the inevitable. Yeah, I don't think this is inevitable. <laughs> Obviously it calms down when it seemed as if Jamie Lynn had stabilized and that I could leave her in the care of a close friend I did. I was hoping to see Brittany but I obviously wasn't expecting it. She flies out for a four-day trip to L.A. where she just wants to go see the boys who were at Kevin's. And on January 28th, I got a text from Lou. Go over there. They had a fight. So I was like, wait, who is Lou? And I was a little bit thrown off because obviously Lou is a boy's name. 
And it was, it's Jamie's business manager who went in on the conservatorship with her. Yes. If you look up Lou Taylor, Lou Taylor, Brittany hates. Lou Taylor is like the top conservatorship getter in the biz. She is like evil. She has like a husband who's an evil pastor. Brittany has emails calling her a crazy stalker and being like, whatever happens, get this woman away from me. This woman is like, she's like, I don't know how this woman keeps getting my email, my number. Like, I don't want to be around her. And she is, I will repeat it, Jamie's business manager. She represents Jamie's interests. I do not think that Jamie's interests are, like, good. They, the they that had a fight is... Sam and Brittany. Apparently, the breaking point is that Sam called Brittany a huge piece of trash and said you care more about Adnan than your children and you don't deserve to get them back. Adnan is her paparazzi boyfriend. I think the paparazzi situation here is, like, the relationship between the paparazzi, Lynn, Brittany... Sam Lefty. It's so bizarre because on the one hand, they're making her life a living hell. But on the other hand, I guess they're like the only people she knows. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really is like almost a Stockholm syndrome where she's been dating this guy, this Adnan. So apparently Sam hates Adnan because Brittany is so obsessed with him that Sam fears his control, right? Right. She hears that she has this possible to get in. She's like, there's this wedge between Sam and Brittany right now. Lynn drives over. Jamie drives over. They have to get the okay to get into the gate. They can't get it. Finally. That is also a thing that read really weird to me that like to, to be parents yeah. who like need permission. And well, every- I mean, they mm-hmm. hadn't, they hadn't really been speaking and he still wouldn't let him, her speak to Jamie. Like it's he still hated so Jamie. Fucking goofy So luckily me. at this point, Sam does let Lynn in. Jamie slips in behind. Like they're both there and they, they had to get called in and special permission, but you can also just like sneak two cars yeah, into I don't the really price of one. It seems like there's a lot of chaos because there's so many paparazzi like dying to get in. So they go in. As soon as they get in, they're like so happy to see Brittany. Brittany seems out of it. Jamie is immediately removed from the premises by bodyguard. Because Sam has control of everything. He told the bodyguard to get Jamie out of there. I guess he's really afraid of Jamie. I think Jamie is like a wild card in that. Lynn seems obviously so stupid and like she's not trying to control finances. And Lynn is so easy to manipulate because if you just say like, I'll let you have a tea with Brittany on Thursday if you let me own her life. Yeah. Lynn will say yes. It's important to notice Jackie is there too. Yeah. So in the driver's seat. In the driver's seat. Jackie drove. So Jamie's removed. It's now left in the house. It's Sam, Jackie, and Lynn. Brittany's missing at this point. Yeah. They're trying to find her. Two or three paparazzi come in. They made their way to the kitchen. They greeted Sam and reported Brittany's whereabouts to the general. The general is what she calls Sam. It was clear to me from the conversation that Sam had given a paparazzi one of Brittany's cars to go out and uh, to get out of the house. And when he heard that Jamie and I were on our way to see Brittany, Sam apparently told her that Jamie and I were coming to do an intervention. She then says paparazzi were his henchmen. It's clear that the paparazzi worked for him. I don't know. This is where I say like, it's weird that Brittany's dating one. So what I can tell, I guess, is that Sam Lefty's business here was that I've heard like a good photo of Britney at her worst could go for a million. Yeah. So she, he is selling Britney's whereabouts. He's giving them access to her and he's making money off the tabloids and then keeping her fucked up and like tabloid fodder. So he really is creating the drama that is Britney's whole life of making her act, like pushing her to the brink to act insane, giving the paparazzi the ability to take photos and post it. This is driving her further and you know what I mean? It's yeah. so fucked up. Yeah, it really is so fucked up, but it's also not just like pushing her to the brink and like making her act insane. He is like literally to this day created a spiral that she can't get out of. I mean, he really like he fucked with her custody. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like his actions have directly led to her losing significant custody battles. Yeah. Well, out of the drama of Sam Lefty, we'll see the conservatorship is born. So in many ways, the hell she's in now 10 years later was created by him. Yeah. 
Um, that being said, he was only able to enter her life because she was so damaged. Right. It did seem like there was never a bottom for Brittany and there's almost still never been a bottom. It's really bizarre the way that her life like can't get back on track, even though it's been so many years. Okay. So anyways, the paparazzi know where Brittany is. Uh, Sam is talking to them to try to get him back. They're like, we'll go get, they bring Adnan back. Basically Brittany's obsessed with Adnan. So they come back in. Adnan tells Lynn at this point that Sam hides Britney Spears' cell phones and tells her that she lost them. So Sam had thrown out all of her chargers and gets rid of all of them so that she can't charge her own phone and keeps a car battery in the kitchen to charge his own phone and the phone of the paparazzo. Um, he cut the house phone wires so that she can't contact anybody. He disabled Britney's car so that she can't leave without his permission. And he would steal her dog, London, and then like later find her quote unquote, and then like come back like the savior who had rescued Britney. Fully, it's, fully manipulating her in I mean, every, it's almost every like way. A ki- it's like a kidnap in the own house. It's like, yeah, he's really taking advantage. At one point in this night, Sam starts saying that Adnan is gay to try and get Britney to break up with him. Uh, Sam kicks Adnan out of the house. He makes him leave. When Britney comes downstairs, she's like, where's Adnan? Britney is looking for him and wants to be with him. So Sam to keep her in the house lies and says he's in the bathroom and at this point, Lynn says, Brittany was so agitated she couldn't stop moving. She cleaned the house. She changed her clothes many times. She also changed her three dogs' clothes several times. We talked, but it was as if she wasn't really there. She spoke in a tone in the level of understanding of a little girl. I guess this, I mean, this is confusing because it is such a chaotic scene. The boyfriend's gone. Sam's lying to Brittany. And it's clear that Sam is like a dangerous abuser. So then here's what gets scary. Brittany then picked up a bottle of pills and read the part of the label. What does insomnia mean? She asked. Sam told her that the pills will help her stay awake. Sam told Jackie and me that he grinds up Brittany's pills, which were on the counters and included Respiradol and Seroquel and puts them in her food. He said that the reason she had been so quiet for the last three days was because he'd been drugging her. Um, She had been drugged and asleep. He said the doctor was trying to get her into a sleep induced coma so they could give her other drugs to treat her. So he's fully drugging her and it seems like He's giving her both uppers and downers. So I looked it up. Uh, Respiradone is used to treat schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and irritability associated with autistic disorder. Seroquel is used to treat certain mental conditions like schizophrenia, bipolar. They're both. And then they also are used sometimes as a short-term sleep aid. I reached out to Mac's sister who is in med school and she said like that shit will knock you out and then I asked her if it's I was like what is your opinion because I read this and my first thought is well Sam is lying no doctor would send you home with your manager and say keep feeding her anti-psychosis drugs and sleep aids until she passes out and then we could drug her up more and Alex's take was she was like I don't know in LA it's hard to say what isn't real. She's like, and when you look at the sick relationship that celebrities have with their doctors, it's hard to make a judgment that they definitely would do this or not do this. She's like, it does seem unethical to be feeding somebody drugs against their knowledge. But she's like, you, it's all unethical to give somebody like Michael Jackson, so many drugs, he dies. I I do think that there's so many doctors out there who will prescribe based on the paycheck that they're handed. Yeah. I mean, like you and I have like both had this with Adderall. Like you just like go and say like, I want it. And then they give it to you. And so I do see how Sam could know doctors who he could just say like, hey, you, I want these, this yeah. effect. What do I do to keep her down? Yeah. Clearly Lynn and Jackie are like freaked out. They're stressed. They think Sam can tell that they're like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you drugging our daughter? Sam says, let's do tequila shots. 
Brittany insists on pouring her own because uh, Lynn says she had caught on to the fact that if she drank something from his hand, she would, could sleep for days. Sam then like pours them wine. Brittany refuses to drink the wine Sam poured for her and drinks her mom. Sam then takes Brittany upstairs. He does something like where they can't see her hands. And when she comes back downstairs again, uh, Brittany is super agitated. She seems really manic. And then she becomes obsessed with going to Rite Aid to buy lipstick. Lynn sees this as a good opportunity to kind of get her out of the house, maybe get her away from Sam. But she's like, well, I'll drive Brittany. Me and Jack will take Brittany. You take a different car to fuck with the paparazzi. Sam's like, absolutely not. He jumps in their car. They go to Rite Aid. They go to Rite Aid. She says that Brittany is speaking in a British accent, in and out. Her card gets declined. So she pays her in. She's acting bizarre. Then the manager of the Rite Aid says, hey, do you guys want to leave through my side door so that you don't have to go through all the paparazzi? Sam says, absolutely not. We had to go through the front. And I found these photos. They're fucking horrible. Brittany looks so out of it. She has bright lipstick on. He has his arm around both and he traipses them by the paparazzi so that they can all get photos. And then Lynn claims that Sam whispers to her ear, you better learn that I control everything. I control Howard Grossman, the business manager. I control her attorneys. I control the security guards at her gate. At the house, he said that if he wasn't there to give Brittany her medicine, she would kill herself. And he goes, if you try to get rid of me, she'll be dead and I'll piss on her grave. I mean, fuck. So then later, I mean, the night just gets worse and worse. Sam apparently is like yelling at Lynn. Brittany goes, oh, that's how he treats me. Brittany's like super out of it. She's just being like, oh yeah, that's how he is. I mean, it's just becoming clearer and clearer that Brittany is like a captive to Sam Lefty who has sold her out and is drugging her, manipulating her. She's aimless. Uh, she's asking if she can see different psychiatrists. She keeps saying, when can I see my sons? What can I do to see my children? At one point, Sam's saying, and you should get back together with Kevin if you want to. Like, yeah, nobody- and Sam holds things over like the things one of the things that he manipulates mm-hmm. her with is seeing her children and so yeah. he'll say like you have to take the pills I hand you otherwise you won't see your kids I mean just really fucked up she like they finally go to sleep the night ends the next day Jackie receives a text from Sam saying like I can't believe you guys told Jamie everything he hit me now you guys are done some threatening text so it turns out at this point, Jamie and his business manager, Lou Taylor, had been working on the conservatorship for six weeks. They had planned to file January 22nd, but God had told them to wait because, you know, Lou has the past on her side. So they're like out and about the next day. Lynn gets a call from Sam that someone wants to commit Brittany. Lynn goes to the house to see what's going on. She sees Brittany. She doesn't think Brittany needs to be committed. Suddenly she realizes it's Sam. Sam's behind committing her. And she's like, Brittany, we have to get out of here. We have to escape. They're coming to get you. Sam shows up and goes, no, they're lying. Like your parents are just trying to get you. And the time they're fighting over Brittany, the police knock on the door. 20 police officers show up, strap her to a gurney and takes her out. Lynn is like being like, why are you guys tying her down. She's not fighting you. There's no reason for you to go. And they said, we've had our orders. If you don't stop fighting us, like we'll arrest you too. Um, and then she says, why are all these huge guys here to take my one 120 pound daughter? Which I think it's always good to notice when a, when a weight is given. Yeah. I do think it's really important to notice that a good mother always tracks her daughter's weight. Yeah. I mean, and also like for everyone taking, Taking notes at home, at her worst, Brittany was 120 pounds, five foot four. So So apparently they get her to the hospital. They go and on the script or whatever, they had taken her in. She had been 51-50 again because she had been drinking recklessly, not taking medication and not sleeping properly. So Sam goes, so Lynn's like, this must have been Sam. Who else would have the authority to say that she's not taking her medication? And then she says she finds out later definitively that he had been working with a smart team, which is a branch of the police that watches for DUIs and reckless drivers. And this is what makes me think 
maybe he did get a specific prescription from that doctor to say, put her in a coma so that we can work on her because I'm sorry, but you can't 5150 somebody because you, you think at one point they were recklessly driving. That's not how it works. Yeah. Here's where everything turns though. So she gets to the hospital. The doctors won't talk to the family. Sam's in there. He's still in control. I guess Brittany's family is desperate to get in there. He's like, you can't be here. They, they get him kicked out. They go to the doctors. They plead their case. The doctor says, fuck everybody. Everybody leaves. Sam's not allowed in. They take Brittany for like five hours. They talk to her. They determine that nobody can see her. In this time, they use this break from Sam. Jamie goes to the police, gets a restraining order against Sam. And this is when he comes out with the conservatorship. So Sam had, in fact, committed her, thinking it would break her and Adnan out. But luckily, it backfired. It drove him in his life. But now, of course, the horror is this is where the conservatorship came from. And I think it's important to notice that this book was released less than nine months after this had all happened. So I don't know. Like, I mean, it takes a while to publish a book and, like, promote and stuff. So clearly, she wrote this, like, that next spring or something. I wonder how proudly they would have done the conservatorship if they were writing it now, because clearly the conservatorship, it shouldn't have gone on for 10 years. No, I get why in this moment they felt like they needed to protect her because she was so vulnerable to any psycho hanger on her, any psycho manipulator, which is something she genetically inherited from her mother. Like that easily ability to trust anybody being manipulated by the most evil people. But I don't know. It's just heartbreaking to read this because they act like the conservatorship came in to save her. And here we are looking back 10 years later and knowing this is just the next chapter of hell for Brittany. Yeah. I mean, to this day, Brittany doesn't have control of her own finances, um, her own life, her own anything. Like her dad, Jamie, is... I guess her dad has recently been removed as the conservator and now it's someone else. But um, I don't know. It really is heartbreaking that Sam Lefty, just like some random freak from the internet, like drove her into this position. And also, clearly, she was in a vulnerable state before that. Like, she needed someone to help. And also, let's just talk really, like, a quick overview of her career during this time. Yeah, so, so let's take it back to 2007. She gets out of she gets out of The Promises Malibu, March 21st. Um, in May, she does some M&M tour, which is like a... Which is like a quick little club tour. But, I mean, what the fuck? Like, let I the mean, bitch breathe. I mean, this is a month after she gets out of rehab. Um, in August... Give Me More, the first single from Blackout comes out. September 9th is the infamous VMA's performance. So this is six... What is March to September? Is that six months? Yeah. So six months after she gets out of rehab, she's already promoting a new album. October 31st, the new album Blackout is released. And I just want to point out by Lynn, the mother's own accounts, she didn't come out of like rehab fresh and ready to go. She came out still fucked up. I mean, and also this whole summer is when her divorce is finalized, when she is just in an ongoing, very intense custody battle. And apparently they're throwing her in the fucking studio to make her work. Yes. So then, obviously, that January is the stuff that we just said, those events with the hospitalizations, 250-150s, Sam Lefty, all that shit. Um, That's all January 2008. Um, March 2008, she guest stars on How I Met Your Mother. And this, I remember being painted as like a very major comeback moment. Um, I mean, when did she film that? Exactly. Like, and I, like, it could go either way. Like, maybe she had filmed it the October before. No, there's no way. But a I don't think that's filmed. That's that not. Far they film a few weeks. I mean, literally, she must have been fifty-one fifty January eighth, and then they had her film it like in February. three weeks later. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, then Circus, the first single off Circus Womanizer, is released in October of two thousand eight, and. 
in December of 2008, Circus, the album is released. So that is two albums in two years while all of the stuff we just said is happening. Like those same two years of all the wild shit, she's also dropping multiple albums. Like, and being pushed f- to promote and being pushed to perform. And, and like, then being pushed to say that she actually can't manage her life. And it's like... And, and she this has to is be why someone like Sam Lefty gets so much power because these these people that are really like they're vampires and they're sucking the life out of Britney. They're like, I don't care if she's half dead. I don't care if she's bipolar. I don't care if she's having a manic breakdown. If you claim that you can get her into the studio to record their next song, then we will give you all the power. We will give you the rights to her, to block her from her family. Like, I'm sorry, but you, I don't know. It's very like, and like in the time since this conservatorship has existed, I mean, how many, two or three more full albums she's done. I mean, she's in Las Vegas, Vegas residencies. She's done several world, like there was a circus world tour. There was a glory world tour. There was a Femme Fatale, Femme Fatale world tour there. I mean, it's so wild how much work she is still doing. 2010. I went to the Femme Fatale world tour which just makes you think this is at 2008. She released circus. I mean, she is working faster than most, most healthy, happy individuals. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think we've really run out of time. We've been talking for a fucking long time, a fucking long time, but what are you, let's just get to our conclusions. What were your thoughts about Lynn before you picked up this book? And what are your thoughts now? I guess my thoughts before were I didn't think about her. Yeah. And now my thoughts now are, I mean, I went through the whole, I definitely think she is more, she said yes more than she needed to, but I don't think she's like the mastermind. I think she really is the idiot who like can't turn off that poor girl say yes to every opportunity mentality and seems to have no backbone, seems to fall for everybody, seems to have no true sense. Like she's the kind of person who I think doesn't think alcoholism is a de- disease. She thinks it's just like, I mean, she God literally being did mad. Say that. Yeah. But I, that was <laughs> like from the eighties. I was hoping she like, but she just seems like a poor fucking idiot who, well, would make a deal with the devil she claims to hate so much. I mean, she's so stupid and she doesn't know how to look out for Britney. She doesn't have this, the intelligence to, to fight the battles that Britney needs help fighting. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that before this, I felt that Lynn, I wasn't really sure about Lynn's place and all this. I do think to be the mother of a child star, you're a little bit Looney Tunes. Um, I think that I had read stuff about Lynn being not on Jamie's side for all this conservatorship and all this like free Britney conversation. So I felt like a little bit hopeful that Lynn was, um, I mean, I do actually think that Lynn is on Britney's side. I just think think she's too fucking dumb to do anything to help anybody. I would say she's almost a detriment. I mean, she's like seen those videos of like a dog and you, there's like a fence in front of them, but the fence is only like, three feet long and you're standing on one side and they're standing on the other side and the dog doesn't know how to get around the fence and they're like, well, I've been trying and I just can't yeah. get around the fence. I was just thinking she Jamie has Jamie Lynn real... is the dog on the other side of the fence and it's like, you could help, but she's like, but how? I try. She's <laughs> like real fell for a roadrunner prank energy. And like, I don't know that that is like, it's hard because you want Brittany to be free, but you don't want Brittany to be free with her mom. Close up magic would blow Lynn's fucking brain out. I think she wouldn't go to a magician because I think she thinks it's against God. <laughs> I just like seen stuff about Lynn, like liking tweets and things regarding the free Britney movement. Um, and now I think it's almost sick that she does that. Cause it's like, she's trying to be like, listen, I'm on your guys' side, but what could I do? She's just my daughter. I'm the, I'm, I only put her in this mess since she was four years old. Well, I mean, I like even that it's so funny reading the story about Sam Lefty. Like she has no sense of, 
of power. Power. Like the idea, I really do think she thinks if a tweet goes viral, that has as much chance of saving her daughter as she, her mother herself. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It really seems like, like the idea that she thought that some man could get her a, a industry exec contact in the music industry when her daughter is Britney fucking Spears. <laughs> like, I do think she has no idea how to get anything done and that she's still just like some fucking moron. Yeah, I do think that she is like shockingly dumb for someone whose daughter is became like a world famous sensation. There's like certain celebrity parents who we like give a lot of credit for being like mastermind psychopaths. And it like Lynn looking at her, it's like, wow, it really is like any idiot could do this. You just have to have like the right tits on a teenager. So stupid. All right, you guys. Let us know your thoughts. We love you. This episode was intense. I know. I feel exhausted. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you guys later. I love you. Bye.